0: How's your uh, Tramontina frying pan working out?
1: Wait, that's really weird that you asked me that. Do you know why?
0: No, I have no idea why.
1: I just ordered another one. Wow. Like literally it came today. Amazing. I had the 10 inch and now I went to the 12 inch.
0: Why? Why? 10 wasn't enough?
1: No, you know, I don't like to crowd the mushrooms. Okay. I'm being honest with you. I Are don't you actually like to serious? Cr- yeah. No, I don't like to wow. crowd them. Oh, stop it. You you wait until you taste these mushrooms.
0: Hello, and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage. I'm joined by my producer extraordinaire, Sylvie LeBeau. Sylvie, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great.
1: Your it's, hair looks extra spiky today.
0: It's extremely spiky. I was in a pool earlier, and... Uh, <laughs> Just about fifteen minutes before we started recording, so there you go. <laughs> there full, you go. Fully spiked.
1: There you go. <laughs> yes. That's, that is interesting. That that's what happens to your hair. When,
0: yeah. Uh, Natural state of my hair is spike. It's just full <laughs> spike, and then you throw a little product in, you try to get it going in somewhat the same direction. But that's basically it. So you yeah. know, when I was a child, actually, this is it's really good given our guest today. Uh, who is, this, you know, helping people find great barbers. But as a child, I had horrible haircuts for years and years and years because uh, my hair just wants to spike straight up. And my mom thought it would be a good idea to comb it over. <laughs> uh, and so it was just like an absolute mess. It just looked like a floppy, crazy mess of hair. just abs- And it's it wasn't until high school, like mid-high school, that I cut it all off. And I was like, oh, it's... Actually, embracing the spike is what I should do.
1: Wow, 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 wow! I have I have many questions and images running through my head. Was going to get your haircut like an event that you were like no when you were little?
0: Uh, yes, I didn't want to go. No, of course I didn't (laughs) want to go. That sounded (laughs) horrible. And I think I, you know, the doctor you get like a lollipop or something. That's what I used to. That's what used to get. And no no lollipop at the haircut place. I went to the same place where Mm. my dad got his haircut and uh they didn't care about children so it was just like <laughs> in and out you know it was literally like talking to me about the news it just it was just it was it was senseless
1: <laughs> i i i i see the sad kid i see the sad kid um <laughs> the what guy you talking to loud though what, what's going on with you
0: let's see um you know spending a lot of time playing nintendo switch with zoe my five-year-old which is so fun and um, we got Mario Kart, which she barely can play and which is like both like great and heartwarming that she can barely play it. But um, also just like I wanted to get really good. And the best part about playing it is that it has the new version has the games that I last played when I was like. You know, twelve or ten. So it's this—it's this nice little thing. It's like we're yeah. both like acting like children together. So it's, yeah, you're it's been bonding. Really fun. Yeah. Who
1: does she? Who does she choose? What character does she like to be?
0: She likes to be Princess Peach.
1: Okay, fair, fair. Yes. Yeah. She's i am a Toad fan. I Toad. was always Toad. Nice. I feel like that works. That fits. Who are you?
0: Who am I? Uh, you know, Wario. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. For the record, <laughs> Silent Adam did guess. Yes. Did No, guess.
0: no you got to go Wario. I think he's, uh, you know, it's Evil uh, genius. He's evil, an evil genius. Ge- underappreciated evil genius, you know? Mm.
1: hmm What's what? Toad? What's like Toad's byline?
0: Quiet loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just... Uh, you know, I know we got this pr- production note, like... Please be stay friendly. I'm just trying to trying to get going. I'm sorry. Toad's like really friendly, nice guy or gal, <laughs> right? Like you, Sylvie. <laughs>
1: Can we just pull a that dependable little, sidekick? Yeah. Yeah, dependable sidekick. That's better. That's spoken <laughs> be like, like a true Wario, though.
0: not yeah. <laughs> like, just trying to stay on theme. <laughs> yeah,
1: try to stay in character there. Yes,
0: yes. What what has you talking to loud right now, Sylvie?
1: Um, a bunch of things, but I gotta I gotta kind of like toot our own horn, which is something that as like a self deprecating Jew, I'm not accustomed to, but I'm gonna try. Let me know if this if this feels like a good toot. Um, I was I was looking at some of our reviews on Apple, and we've got a couple that are five stars, like more than a couple. I think five they all? out of five yeah. stars. You can't you can't get higher than five. We got the highest. We got the highest.
0: That's very exciting. Yes. I
1: freaked out. First of all, don't worry, it's not gonna go to my head. I want you to know that.
0: It seems like it's gotten to your head. It seems like it's in there.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's in there in this like in this part of my brain that's like, holy moly, holy moly! Like we made this new thing and like it's resonating with people and like I don't know, that's big. It's yeah, when when you when you make a podcast, so much of it is like I hope other people like it, right? Like I hope we're not just like talking about nothing and people are like, ugh. Like you hope that that people are connecting and like laughing along with you and being like, oh, that's a great question. Or like, oh, I never like thought about it this way. I'm going to, you know, turn it over in my head some more. Like that's powerful.
0: No, totally.
1: And I think uh, it warrants it warrants an email address for our podcast. I'm going to say I think it does.
0: You think we've we've hit that level now with we I mean, what do we have like 12 five star views or something? 13, 15? I don't know, but you're saying, yes. Yeah, there's a fair number of them for like just the beginning. But yeah, I agree with you. It is it is very cool that people are actually reviewing it. I mean, that's what's awesome. Um, and we love that you're reviewing it. Thank you for reviewing the podcast. If you're reviewing it, thank you for the comments. Um, thank you for the emails. We've had people find my email. We've gotten a bunch of emails, which really, really appreciate. So you don't have to scour anymore. We do now have an official talking too loud email, which what is it, Sylvie? So
1: please reach out to us at ttlpod at wistia.com. Um, we would love to hear from you there.
0: Yeah. We, it's super helpful to hear what you think. We have gotten some emails, people have scoured, scoured the web and found my email, and it's been awesome to get feedback. We love the feedback. It's so helpful. Uh, we're always we're always willing to chat. So ttl at wistia.com. Sweet. And if there are guests, or topics or industries that you want us to feature, let us know, please let us know in the comments. And speaking of featuring guests, in particular, amazing guests, we have a great guest today, Obi Omile, who is the CEO and co-founder of The Cut. For those who don't know, The Cut is the largest technology platform modernizing the barbershop experience for barbers and people who need them. They have over 65,000 barbers they work with, almost 2 million users, and over 15 million appointments that have been booked nationwide, which is disrupting the $20 billion barbershop market. And Ob has started this business four years ago, has been leading it and scaling it through the pandemic. They had some crazy stuff happen. They lost 85% of their revenue when the pandemic began. don't
1: give it away, Savage. Okay.
0: All right. Fine. Uh, So I guess... I guess what you're saying is go right into the interview, Sylvie. That's what
1: I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I have a feeling this interview is gonna be cutting edge. Uh
0: Uh-oh. Uh oh. See what I
1: did there with the pun. All right,
0: let's fade into it. (laughs) Obi, welcome to Talking Too Loud. How are you today? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Where where are you?
2: I am in Arlington, Virginia. Basically okay. across from the Pentagon.
0: Okay, what's what's it like down there right now? What are you seeing on the streets? Uh,
2: streets are pretty empty. Um, it is kind of gloomy outside. The weather's um, not summertime anymore. Winter has upon us. It appears. But yeah, mm-hmm. other than that, it's great.
0: Um, that's great. And you were telling me before that uh, you know. You got you got the new office chair. You've got settled in for COVID. Yeah. You've you uh been playing a lot of Call of Duty. <laughs>
2: Unfortunately. <laughs> my friends like convinced me. Better yet, they forced me to get it during the COVID.
0: And what do you think?
2: I mean, it's fun, it's cool, it's great past the time. Um, I mean, honestly, like the main reason why I got it is just it's great to connect with my friends. Like, you know, COVID, everyone's like all at their homes now. So it's just like a couple of hours, we all get together and we talk like about a bunch of random stuff. But yeah, yeah it,
0: it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I I have an Oculus and oh, I dope. like and I kind of used it a little bit before the pandemic, but then like definitely started using it way more as like a way to hang out with people and I yep. find that I've been just reverting back to my childhood <laughs> like I, you know like I I sure. really had not played video games in a long time and I was like oh I got the Oculus right I'm 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 playing Fortnite I don't know if I should admit oh. that and then and then I just got a Nintendo Switch oh, and I'm just like dope. playing with my 5 year old and we're just having the greatest time Oh that's awesome um, which is awesome yeah 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 see yeah, like I'm similar.
2: I haven't played video games probably since college. Um, I didn't even have an Xbox until quarantine. It was all part of just like they really wanted me to get on. So, you know, I feel like a kid again now, just like no parents, you know, just playing video games (laughs) until like the break of dawn. Um, I scream by noon. I mean, it's cool. It's a pandemic. It's fine. Yeah, I I mean, we
0: got to do what we got to do to take care of
2: ourselves. Am I like missing
1: out? Am I missing out by not playing video games? (laughs) You
2: should definitely. I've probably had a bunch of my female friends like play and they've had a ball. Okay. So I would suggest you play.
1: My point of reference is like NBA Jam and like Cruisin' (laughs) USA.
0: (laughs) Cruisin'
2: USA. That's throwbacks. But those were also great games.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they were pretty good.
0: It's funny, you know, we actually have been talking at Wistie about this around like the culturally you know the company for us has transitioned through the pandemic everyone's productive yep but the the connectivity that we we had that was in the office is just yep. so much harder to replicate exactly if you're trying to do the same things and so now we're trying to add more things in that are specifically online digital first and what really that's just like a complicated way of saying like well should we be playing video games should we be listening <laughs> to music together like yep. what are the things that we should be doing and it's interesting how we all it's actually I would not even I didn't even realize this till just now, but it's like, of course, in our own lives, we're playing video games with each other and reverting back because that's the way to connect. So yep. maybe that actually should come to work. It's a funny it's a funny time, yeah. no, I agree one hundred percent, like,
2: that's the struggle that I'm currently having with our team. We're just trying to figure out how to be like keep everyone connected, like while we're no longer in the office. And so, like you know, we do the regular things that like, we have happy hours and like scheduled team lunches. But like I'm still trying to think of like creative ways that we could all connect. Like I know what was it? I think Netflix released like the like the group watch where like everyone could yeah. watch a show together. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe we do something like that. But yeah, no, I feel like I don't know. Not, not everyone likes to play video games, so. I can't resort to that, but yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what it it could be.
1: I I think a group watch. I'm into a group watch. That could be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, maybe
0: I'll bring that up with the team. I think you should. I think it's just pocket. You need the pockets of things, right? It's not like everyone always came to eat the croissants or whatever. They, you know, people did different stuff, and I feel like it's the same thing here. Well, look, I, I'm so excited that you're here on the podcast. Um, I have a lot of lot of things I want to discuss, a lot of questions for you. I read that the inspiration for The Cut, um, you guys started in 2016. Is that right? Correct. And you and your co-founder, Kush Patel... Um, yes, had sir. had moved to Virginia, and you had some pretty bad haircut experiences. Is that right? Can you can you unpack that for me? More like, or less, what actually happened? Like these must have been pretty bad experiences <laughs> for, you to, to, for you to start a company because of them.
2: For sure. Uh, so actually, Kush and I had been friends since high school, so we've known each other for quite some time now. Um, and we had both moved back to Virginia because, like, we grew up here in Virginia. Uh, Kush had spent time interning in California at Microsoft, and he was working most recently at Yahoo up in New York, and so while he was gone, he had such bad haircut experiences that he ended up cutting all his hair off bald. And then after that, proceeded to growing his hair out past his shoulder length for probably two years. So, he, <laughs> so then he just like- All the extremes. Barbershops completely, right? Yeah. And so like for him, that was like a night and day like change from the way he looked throughout of high school. So that was wild to me to see. Um, for myself, like I had moved to North Carolina to start a new job at Wells Fargo, working as a developer there. And I had gone nearly two months without a haircut. And for me, like, who got their haircut, like, every week or every two weeks, that was, like, incredibly too long to wait for a haircut. So when we both moved back home to Virginia, um, we were, like, thinking about what we wanted to do next, and we were, like, this we actually just finished playing basketball. Like, we were bonding over just like the game and just thinking through like what our next, like, what we we're going to do next. Um, and yeah, we started talking and realized, yeah, this is a real problem. Like, we can't be the only ones having it. And so we started talking to a couple of local barbers that we had in the area and realized that they also had like pain points that they needed solving. And yeah, we
0: jumped, we got our feet in, and three months later, we had our first uh, MVP out on the market. And so was the problem basically that you, you couldn't find a barbershop where you would actually trust? The haircut is it that for simple sure.
2: yeah i mean so for the customer like you and i like that trust is the key part right where it's you don't so on Google searches, the best you're gonna get is a barber shop, right? You're not gonna get the individual barber within the shop and you're not gonna know what he's qualified or like capable of doing, right? So finding a barber you can trust is one piece of it. And then second is if you do have a barber you trust, it's the waiting game. Because if it's a popular barber, if you go in to see him on like a Thursday or Friday, Saturday, like the best, like when most people have time to get their hair cut, you can end up waiting two or three hours to see that barber. And like if you have things to do. That can completely throw your day out of whack. Right. So those are the two problems that we were solving for customers. And then for barbers, it was really about building tools for them to become better entrepreneurs and to build better businesses. You know, most of them were booking appointments by hand. Not many of them had software like instituted in their shops. Like the barbering side of the market was lagging behind the beauty side, where they'd been like, they had already had like receptionists and they had like started using software, but the barbering side of that market hadn't adopted that technology as quickly. So it was building software for them that was specifically tailored to their industry and really solving problems for scheduling management, customer discovery, and building the brand.
0: Now, today you have both sides of the market, but who do you think, is there one side that's actually more, that's been more important for you to get right as you scale the business?
1: the The barbers barbers. yeah (laughs) for sure Um, yeah there's
2: no question there it's the barbers because for barbers okay so if you look at the industry most barbers already have a book of clients like i just talked about like they have customers who they regularly serve so like we didn't actually like i wouldn't say the cut is like a true marketplace right like we're more of a quasi marketplace where we find barbers we help them build their business better so then they bring their existing book of clients right those clients refer other friends to the cut to book with their barbers, right? And then as we built this community of barbers, now we are more of a place for anyone who's looking for barbers to discover them on our platform, right? So yeah, that's why we we also didn't really like focus on any locale or any geographic area when we first started, just because any barber could use this to get up and running. So we build those tools, you spray and pray approach, barbers use this, become better at like managing your business. And then in certain markets where we have a larger congregation of barbers, then you'll start to see the discovery aspect, start to take root, and people will start to know us as the place where you can find talented barbers.
0: You basically accelerated the word of mouth for those barbers. So it's More like they bring their best clients, their best clients are like, oh, now here's a way to bring other people in. And exactly. then that kept growing. And then you had enough of them that suddenly, instead of going and seeing Yelp results and not knowing who's actually good at different things, boom, yep. you know it's easy, it's fast. Exactly. Um, and then I have so many questions, actually. It's funny. <laughs> I have someone who used to come out here for a long time, and she's amazing. And then she went on parental leave and left the, the place that I went to. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, I got to find someone new. How will I do this? And I asked her for advice, maybe like, when her baby was like six weeks old you know I was like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long time I'm like I'm like who should I talk to and she's like right. actually if you want I can come to you and still cut your hair and I was yep. like what and <laughs> it, just, it turned into this thing we actually brought it to Wistia so she used to come to Wistia a day oh, a wow month and just like yep, that's people, a that's a real pe- thing pe- that's yeah a and people thing? Would book. Yeah, and yeah people would book on the calendar and it would just get booked up people were like if someone's coming in to cut hair you want your haircut it'd be like like exactly. the whole day
2: Mobile barbering is a huge part of the industry. It's growing, um, especially now under COVID, like a lot more barbers are traveling to customers' homes. Um, but yeah, mobile barbering is huge. Like even now you'll see barbers who have like little like barbering trucks. Like they've outfitted the back with like a little barber shop, and like they'll pull up on you and then you'll go and sit up in the truck and they'll cut your hair. So yeah, it's a real thing.
1: I feel sure. like MTV needs to make a show. Like. <laughs>
2: Well, Crams, see we, I'd rather we do it before MTV goes, but I definitely right. yeah, there should be some the content cut. around the it. The cut needs there, to make a
1: show.
2: There should be some content around it for sure. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So today you have two million users. Is that right? Just about what 1.9. So we're getting One close point, to 2 million. Okay. You know what? Yeah. I'm gonna say two. For me. Yeah, I'll say. You have two million users. You yep. started four years ago. Yep. What actually happened in the early days? Like, you know, it's easy to look and be like, wow, the cut is really successful. And there's so much potential for you. Yep. Like this is a huge industry; it's a huge market. And everything you just listed off there is like mobile barbering sounds like it could be giant by itself. Definitely Obviously, post pandemic, are people going to want to be in person and see each other more? Yes, like it, the community aspect thing, like all of this. But what what was the beginning like? Uh the beginning was rough. Uh, well, let mean, not say rough; it was it was fun, but a lot of manual work,
2: right? So, like even before, like we we launched in May of 2016, but before then like my co-founder Chris was building out the product and then I was doing a lot of business stuff. Right. And so that really came down to like DMing what thousands of barbers, getting them like sign up on a like impromptu wait list, building out like a database of like Instagram accounts and contact information. So I think before we launched, we had about 10,000 barbers contact information that we wish that we eventually we reached out to once like the product was live and ready. So that was the early days. Um, Sending a lot of DMs, you know, shoot your shot. I was DMing almost every single barber I come across on Instagram. Have you heard of The Cut? Check us out. We're a super new tool that'll help you build your business more effectively. Um, a lot of that. And then we would travel to barbering trade shows. So, like, unbeknownst to me as not being a barber, just being on the customer side, there's just there was a huge community around barbering expos and trade shows. So, similar to, like like other industries where they have trade shows, but like for the barbers, because um, I'd say that the industry was incredibly fragmented, there would be like a barbering expo in every city around the country um, or in every state. Key cities around the country. And there they'd be doing various barbering competitions, like, you know, fastest fade, tag team. <laughs> um, they'd be like, uh, you could buy products. And so there's like this whole underground community of like barbering expos that we would end up traveling to, getting to meet barbers face to face, really getting the product in front of them on a first hand experience. So yeah, we spent a lot of time in those early days, like talking to barbers one on one, really trying to build that community and trust with them for the platform because we didn't have that credibility as being barbers, but we understood their problem. We were really trying to get them to understand that, hey, we're here to serve you guys.
0: So when you were starting to scale and going to all these events and meeting folks, like, was there a lot of competition or had you found something that was more untapped?
2: I'd say it was untapped, but there were competitors, right? So there were, like I mentioned, the the female side of the industry, they had software, right? And then if you look at the barbering and female side, it's, it's fairly comparable where like if you use scheduling in one side of the space, you can use it for both. And so that's what a lot of the tools did, right? They were booking software for the entire beauty industry. And so... Their branding, their design, everything kind of skewed more feminine just because, like, that was the largest side of the market. That's where a majority of the users were, right? So, like, if I were to download some of the, one of those apps, I'd see like a woman with a great haircut, a woman with like a beautifully done up hair, which is great. Um, but, like, if I'm a barber, I don't necessarily identify with their brand as well, right? Or if I'm a customer, if that's the first thing I see, I'm not going to have the same amount of confidence I'm going to find a great barber just because I saw a woman with a great haircut, right? So our approach was to build a brand specifically for barber shops and barbers, where what we did was give barbers a brand they could identify with, right? Like, this is for you, by you guys, right? Because we took in all their feedback. And on the customer end, you come to the cut, you're going to see barbers, you're going to see great haircuts, you're going to know here's where you're going to get a great fade, right? And what that does is it builds more trust and confidence on customers, which increases the amount of those people who come to our funnel, which inevitably results in more customers for our barbers, which barbers, of course, appreciate it. So yeah, that was our approach. Build a brand specifically for barbers that would help barbers, that would help customers. And then here we are.
0: I mean it really seems like it's come back over and over again to taking care of the barbers right like and helping them scale and helping them run their business for sure so what what has this experience been like with the pandemic
2: um the pandemic has been rough uh for every for everyone involved especially barbers being so it's just a personal business like where they're in your face literally like touching your face so like in the midst of the pandemic we were down like everybody like 80 85 percent in terms of our business um in march and april but Fortunately, like as state start to reopen, we did see like a huge uptick. Like I'd say, pre-pandemic, we were adding roughly fifteen thousand users, but coming out of the pandemic, we had doubled up to thirty thousand users, and we were adding that for about a month straight. So mm-hmm. that was incredible.
0: Per month, you're saying, or fifteen thousand users? How many? How, over what period of time?
2: Fifteen thousand users a week is what okay. we were onboarding, and then post-pandemic, that number had jumped to thirty thousand users a week. So it was incredible growth. A big tailwind, of course, pent up demand. People want to get their haircuts after being stuck in the house. But at the same time, states were requiring barbers to use scheduling software for contact tracing to manage mm. customers at a better queue, and then also to like reduce the number of walk-ins. So those three things were tailwinds for us that helped us kind of get out of that um, hole. But I mean, outside of that, like we really tried to remain a resource for barbers as they tried to get back to business. Like we. Of course, discounted our monthly fee that we charge barbers from $20 to 5 We got them PPE in the form of face shields. We ran a gift card campaign where customers were able to donate money to their barbers via gift cards. We were able to raise like $15,000 for barbers, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, no, we we really just continue to be a resource for them. Like even helped them try to get PPP loans as well. So that's really what we've been like... the pandemic has allowed us to do like take a step back you know you can't really manufacture growth so really just taking a step back and trying to re-strategize and think about your business at a longer term and really just like how do we continue to be a resource for barbers not just with their business and their product but outside in their everyday lives
0: and have you had to change like it sounds like you've actually been changing the app and product to help people adapt to this we've
2: only had to make a couple changes um, one being just like a COVID disclosure we added within the app to help protect barbers and the customers just like you had an understanding of like what your state's requirements were and that you were being safe and following protocols when you went into the shop, right? Um, and then second to that, uh, like the mobile barbering, kind of how we how, what we talked about earlier. So we, we kind of already facilitated that within the app. It's like you kind of had to hack it together. So But we built a better solution which made it more visible which barbers were offering mobile barbering services and we made it easier for clients to book that and for barbers barbers to manage that whole experience. So those are like the two biggest changes that we made during the pandemic to the product. But outside of that, we've just continued to build out more features that allow them to like have more control over their business.
0: And do you think that the mobile barbering is actually like, what do you think is the future of that? I mean, I said before, I think people want to be back in right. person, which I do, sure. which I do, but I also right. think people are obsessed with convenience. So what do, what do Absolutely. you think?
2: I think you're, I mean, you're right in both aspects, right? I think As we come more out of this pandemic, you're going to see barbershops come back to where they were before, right? Like... Barbershops have always been like a gathering place where people can have, come, shoot the shit, have great conversations and really, you know, it's a space where you feel comfortable. Um, But at the same time, like you mentioned, convenience is key, right? We live very fast paced lives. Everyone likes to be able to go where they want, when they want. So I do think mobile barbering will have a space and will continue to grow. But I don't think that will detract away from like people who want to go to barbershops. I feel like those people who still want to go to barbershops will go, but those who want to pay for that more premium experience of a barber coming to you will do that anything i think just trends around men's grooming have brought in more guys to take more like to be more cognizant of like or i guess more conscious of how they look and their appearance so i think even under the pandemic you're going to see that increase when we're all on zoom all day and you get to look at your face that's uh,
1: right just dudes want- <laughs> are you listening
2: dudes <laughs> you're going to definitely want to like groom. take more care of how you look and make sure that your hair is always looking nice and tight so
0: yeah i think that'll always be a thing Oh you're you're saying basically now because we're on Zoom. And well, you see your, and you see yourself all yeah. day that yeah. it's like actually more obvious to people that they should like take care of themselves exactly (laughs) Like already before
2: the pandemic like i think was in 2015 was the first time like um men's grooming or men's beauty searches had outpaced that for women so like the trend has been happening for years but i think covid has accelerated many things and this being one of them just like the fact that you just have all this extra time like guys will start to spend more time looking at Everything thing that it can do.
0: It's funny to think, too, that that is, and of course, that makes sense because, like, before you weren't just like staring at yourself as you're talking to people <laughs> all day right. long, but also, like, combined with the fact that, you know, like, no one's buying jeans, jean sales are <laughs> like in the toilet. I did see that, yeah. But, like, leisure wear is out of control right now. <laughs> Through the like roof. If, it's crazy. Like, if you, if you want to buy, like great sweats, whatever. Everything's yeah. constantly sold out. Constantly, yep. shit. there's like there's like all these new bougie ones that are coming out yep. all the time because t- people want to, you know, be comfortable but then look good. I guess is like yep. the, the message. So I, it's just, what do you think is going to happen on the other side of this? Do you think, do you think we're going to go to like a more formal? Like, are we going to dress more formally coming out of this because it's so exciting to see others? Or are we actually just going farther towards just like <laughs> everybody <laughs> in every setting? Is wearing leisure? Yeah, is is every day That's is, I, I I honestly can't tell myself. I mean, I don't know. I
2: for me personally, like, I, I love the leisure. I've always loved the leisure, but like I feel like you mentioned, <laughs> I love like, leisure. Yeah, I love like <laughs> chilling like our office, like our office like uh work uniform is like slides and sweats. So I everyone okay. looks like in our office, but I do feel like they're just like even like I've seen anecdotally with my friends, everyone loves to dress up. Like you have all this clothes in your closet. You want to go out and buy nice things. And when you go out, you want to show off, right? Or show off what you recently just purchased. But I do think you're going to see as we come out of the pandemic and like bars, restaurants, all those things start to open up. You're going to start to see more people want to dress up to go out. But for sure, when you're you're hanging out at home, like people are spending a lot more time at home, especially like working from home, you will definitely see an uptick in sales of sweats and other leisure apparel, just because like, we
0: only care about face up at this point or chest <laughs> yeah.
2: up.
1: Um, We're going to have some yeah. really nice new shirts that are coming out of this pandemic.
0: Yeah. there. I was also, there's a, uh, I was reading another study that basically said that if you get quote, like dressed up for work, that people are, some people are more productive. Do you believe that? I don't, but do you, <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily, I think it's individual,
2: right? It's how an individual operates. I can see it. Like, I put on a suit, you know, you just feel like, you know, maybe more important or that you got to be more productive because you put a suit on or you dressed up. So I can see how that could help with some individuals. But I feel like if you are a person who doesn't need that external motivation where you can get things done yourself, I don't think what you're wearing makes a difference. Hence why I say like in our office, everyone wears sweats and slides all day because like we're a completely high functioning team. Like, yeah, I don't think what you wear really dictate how the amount of work that you can get done. Um, So, yeah.
1: So that study, I didn't read it, but I, I'm curious like how much is that how much of it is that like you feel more productive versus like other people perceive you as more productive? So True. I think that's like when when you put on the suit, like yeah, it might not make a difference kind of either way, but like if somebody is looking at you, I bet they're gonna be like, oh. He's on his game for sure. He's got. I suit think that's him. just the
2: way we've been conditioned. Because like yeah. I feel the same way. Like if you see someone in a suit, you just assume, okay, this is a high-powered individual. Like he's off to do some things in the world or something like that, for sure. But like I don't necessarily think that'll make sure that that correlates with the amount of output a yeah. person can do. It well, it's just,
0: I, it's funny because when, when you say that, what I think to myself is like, well, I'm currently in it, as you can see, recording in a bedroom. And if I was wearing a suit right now, I think you'd think I'm an absolute joke. You'd be like, <laughs> what? is this guy pretending? Like, what's he doing? Like, there's obviously, right. is this a child's room? Yes. Like, it's it's, a, it's just like a funny.
2: Yeah, it fun might be a little bit out of context for yeah. sure yeah. in your bedroom. But I mean, look, I've seen people on like on the Zoom calls in suits, but they're probably more like in their home office setting. So like, I guess it kind of fits a little bit more. Um, and then also I feel like those people are wearing suits because of their jobs and like it's the perception, like you mentioned, um, Sylvie, around wearing a suit. Like if you're not wearing a suit in this job, I feel like I should not trust you, right? I feel like there's a perception with certain roles, especially like in finance and things like that. Like if you don't have a suit on, like there's a little bit of lack of trust in that, but yeah.
0: So Obi, what, what is the funding story with you all? So
2: the funding story is um, interesting. So we started the company, my co-founder, we, we bootstrapped it with about 20K that we had saved up from working. And that helped us get out the gates for about a year and some change. We didn't raise any money. And then we were able to raise from some local angels in Virginia here, like basically at my alma mater. So that was awesome. 40K from them it helped us like, you know, keep the business going. But after that, we ran a crowdfunding campaign, as you mentioned. And we were able to raise about 100K from like, people who really just bought into the company and division and it turned out that some of them were actually our users. So people who were on the app, both barbers and customers ended up investing in the company. So that was awesome. Cause like they actually bought in. And honestly that helped us get into TechStars because that was just like a proof point for them is that if these users were willing to invest in the company, then there's clearly something here. And that helped us get into TechStars. Um, so outside of TechStars, the only other, we were able to raise like our first official seed round Last October, November. But since then, yeah, we've only raised about eight hundred and fifty K to date. And that's gotten us a really long way. Honestly, we still have that five hundred K we raised in the bank and we've been able to operate off cash flow for most of this year. So we've been really fortunate that we built a business that has been able to, you know, operate off revenue that we bring
0: in. Congratulations. I mean, that is not only hard to do, but very, very hard to do during a hopefully once a century global pandemic. So that's congrats. It's, it is, <laughs> it is a hard thing to do I mean, especially when you said you lost 85% of your revenue.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it was nuts. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, but like I said, it came back strong. So we're, I definitely think we're in a position incredibly fortunate that we are able to still operate like the way we are, but yeah, nah, it's been, it's been a godsend for sure.
0: That's amazing. Um, So, the beauty industry and the tech industry have been called out, rightfully so, for leaving out communities of color. The cut seems like you are really f- trying to flip the script on this. Exactly. And, and tell me what that has been like for you. And on a personal level, what has it been like to enter into these industries which have really actively let left out people of color? Absolutely. I mean,
2: for myself, it's been... It's been fun because that's what I have wanted to do. I've always wanted to like flip the script and change the narrative of what people of color can accomplish and um, what the black and brown buying power in the U.S. alone could do so that it's been fun to really go out and prove what I've always believed is being the case. So, yeah, I mean, talking to investors, talking to potential partners, like really like trying to get them to understand that this is a business that really like has merit, and that it's just not like some you know back channel mom and pop. There's not much money in the business. Like there's a narrative out there around barbershops, and that there's not really any money in the business. And so like when we talk to investors, like that's just one of the biggest things that they. It's hard for them to get the hurdle for them to get over. And they don't. They don't think people are willing to pay for this service. Um, they don't think that there's longevity in the fact that they expect most problems will churn, that they're just going to go back to doing what they were doing before. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like, like I said, it's been fun to prove where we went wrong. Um, and then like what I've also started to see at the same time is not just us in the technical side of the business, I've started to see a lot more um, people of color creating beauty products. And that's been awesome too, because I've loved to see people of color really start to like take root in a lot of these industries and get their products out to the forefront.
0: I think, you know, when you talk about the funding, I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of examples of it being harder to raise money. And in particular, because people don't understand the problems that are being solved, right? Exactly. Like if there's just a bunch of white people who are not going to those barbershops and don't understand how they work and don't understand right. the community, then it's harder for them to invest. What advice would you give to those like white funders yep. who are, don't understand these markets and actively want to be a part of changing, you know, who's getting funded, funding more people of color, adding more diverse voices on every front. What advice would you give to them based on your experience?
2: For sure. And like, I definitely attest to that. Just talking to investors and trying to get them to understand that people got their hair cut weekly. Cause for many of them, that was just a mind blow. They did not fathom. They could not (laughs) fathom that people would go to the barbershop that often. But yeah, I mean, my suggestion I've actually given to some like VCs that I've been speaking to is around you just got to be more open and trusting, right? Like even if you don't get it, like I, I think a lot of people revert to like bias or kind of what they know and it's kind of staying within their wheelhouse, right? And so if that even if that may be kind of the approach you want to take, and that like it's harder for you to get out of that, then enlist people within your ranks who you trust, right? Like scout programs, right? Hire people of color who have better understanding and context who can go out and find these companies, right? Because one, they're already going to have a network of founders probably that they know that would fit in that mold. And then they have a better understanding of what the opportunity could be. And then for them, it's like, they can bridge that gap for you. Right? So my biggest suggestion has always been like really enlist scouts to go out and do the work for you if you can't and just trust those scouts that will find these businesses and really giving them the free way to make those decisions.
0: One of the things that makes me think about also is like the challenge of not having as much access to capital or having not pe- people not understand your business. I think often actually ironically results in stronger businesses sometimes Yep, and And, like, when you talk about your story, uh, you know, it's it's remarkable to me that you've not raised that much money. You've gotten this business incredibly far you've been growing off of cash flow throughout the the, the year of pandemic i mean yeah. you should be really proud um and it's also i it always boggles my mind because i'm like this is the type of business that people should want to fund right it's like it's so resilient and so strong and so well connected with the customer um it's just it's mind-blowing to we're be. definitely seeing the inbound now for sure that's oh there you go that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing yeah. And what's next for you? What, what do you think is coming next for, for you and what's coming next for The Cut? For The Cut, next
2: for us is growth, right? Like this year, honestly, was supposed to be like a big year of us figuring out growth at like a much larger scale and really how to be tap into barbers and customers all around the country. Pandemic rules apply, so we couldn't really do that. Um, so that'll be what next year is all about, really like building a ubiquitous brand with barbershops, similar to how Uber is for ride-sharing. The cut will be any, like if you think barbershops, I want you to think the cut, right? So we want to have that same type of feel and that'll be what our plan is. Like We have features that we want to build out to help us get there. We definitely have like marketing campaigns planned out. But yeah, that'll be what 21 looks like for us. Really just like really building a national brand and then taking that overseas as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, so we never raised venture capital at Wistia. We only ever raised, we raised 1.4 million in angel money. Um, and then and then scaled the business off of that. And there was a time when I thought we really wanted venture capital. I was like, because it seemed like the logical thing to do. Yep. And then if, you know, for different reasons, it didn't make sense. Like we couldn't talk to the right people. The business yep. got far enough along. We started to to like run under our own steam. And then what ended up happening is that uh, it sounds like similar to what your experience is. We started to realize that there's certain parts of this that we're doing really well. And there's certain parts of this that are really connected with customers and like, do we actually need more funding to do that, or yep. like,
2: or I agree. do we
0: actually need time? You know, it was one of those funny things. And as we as the company scaled, we started to realize, wow, it isn't about funding. It's about it's literally about these customers. And yeah, if we have, if the only way to serve the customer is to raise more money, uh, great, fine, go do it. But um, it it got us to a place where by the time we could re- easily raise money, we didn't want to, didn't have to. So I, I'm excited for you and I hope for you all that this, the path, the things that you're figuring out in this moment are the things that help you scale. Absolutely. Um, And that by staying close to the customer, you can really build something big and be in control of if you need, if you want more funding or need more funding or whatever.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I agree. Like, I think we're in a similar situation where it's like, we've gone to the point now where a company is now more attractive and the invest- investors want to invest because they clearly see cash flow, they see growth. Right. But now it's like, do we want your money? Like, I don't necessarily need your money or does he just like to give away that <laughs> equity because you weren't willing to give it to me before. But now that we've gone to like a place where the business needed, what really is the value that you're offering to me outside of cash? Cause like every, there's so many places to get money from now. Um, especially like now we're like investors are trying to really meet diversity quotas and what may have you. But, like, now when we talk to investors, if anything, we're really trying to understand what other value adds that you have. Like, our biggest bottlenecks are hiring, right? It's really finding out, finding talent. It's like really understanding what's coming next around the corner that we may not understand as first time founders, um, marketplace dynamics. So, like, if we're talking to investors, it's not so much about the money, it's more around what other intangibles can you offer that will definitely make an impact in the business beyond just the cash. Because, like you said, We've got cash now, cash is everywhere, but how really can you be helpful?
0: Yeah, that sounds like you're thinking about it exactly the right way. And it's, it is just so funny how it switches. That's why I'm like beaming so much as you say that, (laughs) because it just flips over and you're like, oh, actually, yeah. Oh, they all want to talk to me. Cool. But like, do I actually need this? You're like, no. So then what do I do? And it's like, it's very bizarre dance but it is funny in my experience i mean we i met with so many different investors yep. and we didn't take their money but i met a lot of great people for sure i got a lot of good intel i got good advice um so you know enjoy it while it's while it's happening for and sure. if there is someone who is that great value i can understand why you do it but yep so obi this show is called talking too loud with chris savage it's about <laughs> it's about how i get excited and yeah. when i talk about i and talk too loud when i'm talking about like as you can tell he's um, so excited it, right now yeah, i'm very excited, <laughs> <So> excited. about <laughs> about like people overcoming big challenges yeah. about really interesting creative things um the show is about like unlocking that part of me yeah. what what gets you talking too loud
2: I would honestly sound very similar. When I get super excited, my voice probably goes up another few octaves. My friends will always have to tell me to like tone it down a little bit. Um, but what gets me the most excited? Well, the cut, of course. Anytime I'm talking about the cut, <laughs> like, and just like new things we're working on, things I'm excited about, that'll get me going. But outside the cut, Call of Duty. No, nah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's just more out of anger and being upset. Okay, right. <laughs> okay, okay, but okay. Uh, food gets me really excited. I love food, I'm a foodie um are you cook or i've started cooking a lot more into quarantine i make some really fire wings um so that gets me excited uh but yeah no like i love like i love businesses and i love to see like people accomplishing things or like so not even like like a full-on business that's like you know couple years on the road but it's like if i see my friends or if i see someone that i know just like start something and like to see it get off the ground that can be super excited because i love to see people just you know like going out there like trying to achieve their goals you know so that really gets me excited so like that's why like, i found myself getting super hyped talking to my friends about just like a random article i'll see online about some little girl who started like a b company it's like oh
0: look at this, <laughs> you about this this is awesome like so
2: things like that really get me going
0: yeah, the act of creation is just amazing. Yeah. I, I think it's like the the best part of of building a company is like you wake up, you're like, what should I do today? I don't know, and then you make it up, and then you know if you cre- and if you create something new and it works, it's like the it's the ultimate rush. Yeah, for and, sure. And then when you see someone else doing it, it's like it's it's actually just almost as exciting as yourself doing. it. Really it's a is. Very. Like it's, 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 it's a it's very it's cool thing. It's a dopamine
2: rush, and like it's a shot to the head, and it gets me more motivated and excited to go out and to continue like be creative and come up with new ideas. So yeah, I'd love to surround myself with people who are like doing new things or like at least people can give me information about people doing new things so that I can constantly get that stimulus. So I definitely agree.
0: Awesome. Well, look, Obi. thank you so much for coming. I loved hearing the stories about how you guys got started and just like figuring out who the right customer was and staying super close to those barbers. And, you know, also, I mean, honestly, I love hearing about how excited you are, um, <laughs> just about the act of creation and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like it's, it's infectious, yep. uh, best, best of luck with the cut, best of luck with everything. Thank you so and, much. And, um, yeah, I I hope to to taste these wings too. So uh, bring, right, bring, uh, them on, bring them on, bring them on over. <laughs>
2: definitely will. Definitely have a little potluck. And again, thank you, thank you both for having me on, Sylvie. Chris has been a pleasure. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. I look forward to being back on here again sometime soon.
1: Awesome. Awesome. How was that for you? What'd you think? That was great. That was
0: really fun. I was so fun to connect with somebody who is just so passionate about entrepreneurship and building businesses. And I think like hearing that story of, you know, how they've pivoted, stayed close to their customer, how they just everything about where they're going is is exciting. And yeah, I wished him a lot of luck. I hope the cut turns into something really, really huge.
1: Yeah, I you, I think you said it to him, but like his his passion is like infectious and just being so hype about the cut, being hype about other people like launching things like that was, it was just like very nice energy to be around. A part of the interview that I found really interesting is that they just like, yeah, they were hurting during the pandemic, like losing 85% of their revenue, but they just like decided to double down and really reinvest in the barbers. And like, Giving them PPE. Like that didn't even occur to me. Like that was, I don't know. That just seemed like a huge move for them that they were just like, all right, like even while we're hurting, we're still gonna let you know that we are here for you. We see you. We believe in you.
0: Well, it's a story of technology actually helping small business, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think it's like we hear the opposite so much and then is very cool to hear about that exact thing and like staying close to those folks and helping people feel more confident, and comfortable coming in to get a cut or the mobile barbering stuff, which is very exciting.
1: Yeah, um, they definitely know. need to make that show. Yes. I was like MTV. He was like, no.
0: <laughs> I will be <laughs> we doing will that. Make that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah.
0: I also love that he was like, yes, I play Call of Duty. I hate it.
1: no it was more complicated than that
0: yes it's just like well i want to be with my friends but it makes me mad and i was like well i you know i when i hear that i think maybe you're not playing enough because you you got to play because it's like
1: harder you got to
0: play more you got to go you got to go deeper in you got to get your skills and it only takes like a a level of commitment that's that's painful for those around you but (laughs) it's an important part of gaming i think it's to sacrifice part of yourself
1: I feel like it's time like I'm 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 ready I'm ready to be a gamer a beginner gamer beginner gamer
0: well I guess I guess it's time for some Mario Kart so uh obviously you'll be Toad I'll be (laughs) Wario and and Zoe uh, will be
1: Princess Peach
0: Zoe will be Princess Peach and we'll make it happen let's go
1: see you see you in the virtual world
0: I'll see you there and tune in in two weeks uh, when the next episode of Talking Too Loud comes out. Please keep those reviews coming. Seriously, we really appreciate them. We re- appreciate the ratings too, but the reviews are the so helpful. And emails, feedback, ideas, questions at ttlpod at Have a great day, y'all. Keep it cool.
1: I'm pressing stop. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she was gonna snark back, but she didn't. I laid it up. That was an alley oop. Gonna <laughs> slam that one.
1: It was an alley oop. Yeah. That's well, that it was really. The, it, it wasn't even to keep it cool. It was the y'all. It was the y'all? Did I say y'all? Oh yeah, you fully said y'all. Talking too loud is brought to you by Wistia, hosted by Chris Savage, produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Grant Cutler. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.